You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Thanks for listening. Excited to be joined by 2015 NLC Pittsburgh fellow, Rhiannon Cook is here. She's actually talking to us from the future. We'll tell you why. Stick around. It's going to be a good episode. Let's get to it. All right, so it's Sunday afternoon for me here in Los Angeles recording, uh, but our guest today is calling from Monday morning. And Ms. Cook, can you explain why exactly that is? Because we, I am uh, in Kyoto, Japan, so in the future. In the future. And how long have you been there and what are you doing out there? Um, I have actually been in Japan a little over a week um, and will be here another three weeks. So all kind of in the Kyoto area. Um, but yeah, this year I am trying out remote work um, and kind of living a lifestyle of digital, digital nomadism, as they say. So moving around um, and have been in Asia for three months so far. But before that, um, we're to Africa um, and Europe as well. And most people, when they try the remote working lifestyle, usually pick like different Starbucks within five mile radiuses of their of their house. How did you end up deciding you're going to be truly global uh, when you decided you wanted to work remotely? It's actually funny. Um, I would actually say that the reason that I'm doing this has a lot to do um, with my LE weekends um, mm, from okay. NLC originally. Um, yeah, it was just the that weekend gives you kind of like the space to actually really think about what it is that you want. Um, as well as, you know, what you told yourself you wanted because you haven't actually allowed yourself to want what you really want, if that even makes sense. So um, kind of revisiting those goals and really kind of looking at the kind of life that I wanted, I realized that I was um, kind of working towards something that I didn't really want that much. But travel has always been in my blood and something I love to do. And um, yes, about two years ago, I kind of started working towards figuring out how to take my Uh, lifestyle um, and my work remote um, and have been traveling internationally for the past six months. So then when you get to a new city, what's your usual first 24-hour routine? Is it uh, setting up a day-to-day routine that you know you can stick to for 10 to 12 days or is it something entirely different? What's your plan once you actually get off the plane? Well, it's interesting because I, I think that can be probably the hardest part of digital nomadism, figuring out how to get into routine, figuring out where the ATM is, the grocery store, what language people speak, how much, like the number of times I've accidentally taken a hundred, like like $800 out of an ATM because I can't do the currency conversion is actually kind, kind of wild. Um, but I'm actually traveling with a company that their job is to handle all of the logistics for me. So I pay them and they get my apartment ready. They pick me up from the airport, they book my tickets, and then they actually book a co-working space that's within a 15 minute um, walk from my apartment. So they really handle a lot of things. I really, I call them, I mean, basically what they're doing is hand-holding me through my... (laughs) every month uh, because it is a lot to to move every single month and that's what I've been doing um, but especially when you're kind of working on a full-time job and hobbies and, and other things that you do it's it's kind of impractical to um, to try to do all that on your own and maintain um, maintain your full-time position so this company handles all of that for me and makes it so incredibly easy 
You know, I think back to all the different uh, kind of capstones, or you mentioned that that first weekend experience in NLC. Usually, travel plays a big role in what people are aspiring to or seeing themselves wanting to do. I think most people would be curious what's the name of this company and how you found them in the first place. I think that might actually spark some uh, intrigue for folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually the company's called Remote Year. Um, two words you can find them on Instagram and the web. Um, and it, their job is essentially they they kind of looked at things and saw how much in particular millennials were wanting to travel and a lot of people wanting to live abroad. Um, and I had always wanted to live abroad, but really kind of the only um, path in order to do that. Um, I was that I was aware of was maybe teaching English for a year or something like that. Um, and I mean, I have a career. I have, I work in marketing and it wasn't so I didn't want to switch careers, but, uh, so this company, I kind of found, I actually heard about them through a friend of a friend of NLC. So really all of this goes back to NLC every time. Um, and the first time I heard about it, I was like, wow, that is so dumb. Who can just move abroad, um, and, you know, live remotely. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and really I have dedicated leading up to six months ago when I left, I was the, probably the year and, and a half how hard has it been for you to completely dedicated yeah. to trying to get my employer on board and packing up my life and whatnot yeah that's what i was going to ask in terms of the actual getting work done how or maybe put it this way what's been the biggest surprise or challenge about having that kind of day-to-day work that actually needs to get done when you're in a brand new city and i'm sure would want to be wandering the streets or going to tourist sites or, or the things that most people do when they travel how, how, what's been the hardest part of actually balancing that you still have to make some money and do the things that give you satisfaction professionally? Yeah. So I am full-time employed uh, with a stateside company. And I think the hardest, I had never worked remotely before other than, you know, you have like maybe your company previously gave me like a day a week that I could work from home. Um, But I'd never been completely remote before. And the hardest thing for me, um, I remember the first month we were in split Croatia. So it was like a beach town and gorgeous. The weather was amazing. Um, but the, really the hardest thing was figuring out when I'm actually most productive to work. I think we've been, um, encultured to really be told that we're supposed to be productive between 9am and 5pm. Um, but that's not the way I work. And I've kind of realized that. So, um, I get up early and I work for probably three or four hours, probably like 5am to, you know, 9am or something like that. Um, take a break, do some sightseeing get lunch. And then I work kind of in the early afternoon um, and kind of break it up that way. And it's been, it's, it's actually really kind of revolutionized how I work and how well I work. I don't have to sit down and force myself to do it because those are the times of the day that I'm actually most productive and my employer gets a better product in the end. Yeah. yeah. So you think you'll do this for the long-term foreseeable future or what's your potential time frame here? Yeah, well, Remote Year offers 12-month programs, so uh, my travel with them is planned through the end of August, and then after that, my plan is to uh, bounce back to the States for a little bit, see some friends and family, and then, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, There's really just the question that I think has been answered for me is, like, if you could work from anywhere, like, where would you choose to be? Um, and so for me, I don't think I'm going to move every month. I think I'm probably going to find maybe go to Prague for three months and then Australia for three months and Cape Town, something like that. But, um, if I don't 
have to be somewhere physically. Um, I can choose to be anywhere I want. And there's something to me that's really progressive about the way that remote remote work works. It means that it doesn't mean you have to travel internationally, but you can maybe stay home with your kids or you can um, spend time taking care of an older family member. Um, and, and I think that was for me, I, I, I wanted to go see when I was in my previous position. Um, I had to take vacation days in order to go like spend some time with my grandma who was not feeling well. Um, and for me, that's just that's that's unacceptable. And hopefully more people open themselves up to um, allowing their employees to work abroad, work remotely. Yeah. Well, listen, when we come back, uh, more questions about um, NLC stuff, especially as it relates to Pittsburgh and being in the inaugural class there. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, I feel like NLC Pittsburgh got a nice little bump from the convention that was there two years ago. I know I hadn't been to Pittsburgh before, and I think that was true for a lot of other folks who came through for a convention. And all accounts, people really enjoyed being there. What was uh, what was it like being in the in NLC inaugural class there? And what kind of changes have you seen since then? I mean, it's totally different than it was uh, previously. Um, I am so lucky to have been part of the inaugural class because I feel like, and this is probably, I think, true in every city, but our applicants just get stronger and stronger. And like you, you start doing the review process and, and you know, picking who's going to be in the next class. And you're like, oh, God, there's no way I would have made it. Um, and I'm being honest. So uh, being in the inaugural class, we were, we were, it's, it's so great because these are people that I'm very close to and people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. We all, I mean, I think 15 or 12 of the 15 of us all went to the same university, the University of Pittsburgh. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we now have a little bit more academic diversity, thankfully, uh, but none of us really knew each other. And I think that was the best thing, um, being able to connect to people who care deeply about Pittsburgh and our community and uh, have been able to really kind of stay in touch and stay together. And I feel like Pennsylvania as a state is so often now in the news when we think about politics nationally as this harbinger or bellwether of what may or may not happen in 2020. What's your read on how the state is leaning as we get closer to 2020? You know, Pittsburgh is, I would say it's a, it's a little bit, of an exception, I think, and you have this in all the states really where you have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, which, you know, lean very liberal and tend to be more progressive. Um, but then, you know, you take a 15 minute drive outside of the city and you're in Confederate flag territory. So it's, it, it's a little bit of everything. What's great about Pittsburgh in particular, though, is I think that a lot of the work of bridging that urban rural divide is being done there. It is being done by um, a lot of the people working in government, nonprofits, um, a lot of the people kind of at the state legislator level um, spend a lot of time in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is a great place where I think people are more open to starting these conversations and not necessarily self-isolating, um, which I think we've seen how, how that works and how that plays on a political scale. And as far as what kind of progressive uh, interactions you have overseas, how would you describe the progressive movement in the cities you've been in? Or maybe even put a different way, how do folks uh, that you speak with who live overseas view and engage with what they see happening in the States right now? 
Oh, yeah. No, I mean, basically, the first couple of months, I had to get out of the practice of basically saying, you know, I'm from America. Sorry. Um, and everybody wants to engage uh, you on our, our our current administration and um, have a lot of opinions on it. Definitely, it is it is not an administration that's well liked generally by the people that I've met um, internationally. Um, but I think that people still, for you know, some reason, look up to American politics. And um, I think the thing that has been most surprising to me is how engaged and how aware other people are. Um, about American politics. Um, and I feel very, you know, off kilter initially when you go abroad and you realize how much people know about your culture and your po- your political system. And then you're at a complete loss when you're trying to understand how things work in the Czech Republic. Um, it's, it's really fascinating and it has forced me to get engaged in news outlets that are talking about what is happening politically in other parts of the world. Um, and then as you kind of get that intro and you start kind of getting deeper, you realize, oh, wow, you know, I think we have this idea of American exceptionalism that we do everything either better than everybody else or worse than everybody else. And we mm-hmm. constantly purport our political system as being like, oh, we're, we're the worst. We're awful. Uh, the other places have problems as well. And I think it's important that um, all of us learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for shining light on a truly nomadic life. I hope everything overseas continues to go well, and hopefully we'll see you back in the States soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can listen to all past episodes, and there's a lot, over 115 or so. You get them in all the places where you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. Check them all out to hear and learn what other NLC alums and progressive leaders are up to. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.